Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, licensee call HR question. This cast comes on the ninth anniversary, that's right, nine years and a quarter of a billion, that's a billion with a B, downloads of the Manager Tools podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you who are listening today. You're helping us achieve our life mission of making every manager effective and every professional productive. Mark and I truly appreciate the support you've provided over the years and look forward to many more years to come. So thanks again. And with that, here we go. So Mark, we're going to do something a little bit different today. We talked about it. This was your suggestion. What, what was going through your head when you thought about this? Well, we do quarterly licensee calls uh, where we get questions in from the audience and I answer them. Um, we used to do them live, and just because we were only getting a couple hundred people on the live call, we had thousands listen to it after the fact, we decided it would be much easier logistically for us not to do it live, but to provide all the answers. And this question was just so good that I wanted more people than maybe a couple of thousand, maybe 5,000 people to hear, to hear the answer. And we have been talking before about how could we periodically include questions that we get from our audience in the form of podcasts. Now, we've always assumed that we would do it in the middle of the week. In other words, not on Sunday night, Monday, uh, when most people are used to getting manager tools, simply because we didn't want to miss a week of our own generated content because we have so many years to go. We decided we'd do something different. This is a question that's exceptional, I think. I love the tone of it, and it gives me a chance to expand on something that many people have heard me talk about. And I realized I wanted to get it broader hearing when I started my answer by calling it the question of the year. And it occurred to me, gosh, if I have a question of the year, why wouldn't, you know, why would you share 50, that with 100, 100, you know, 150, a quarter of a million people want to hear the answer. So it's a big departure for us. It's not a structured cast in the sense of I wrote the show notes. I did prepare an answer, which caused me, you know, which helps me in my recording. And I'm going to share that answer verbally and expand a little bit. Good. Now, anybody who's been listening for <laughs> to us for a while has heard you say, I hate HR. Oh, I don't know. A dozen times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe more. Dozen, maybe, I don't yeah. know, maybe, maybe a few more. And yeah. it's, it's, that's not quite true. And I'll give you, a, I'll, you know, for those of you who are in HR, I'm give Mark a chance to, to explain himself a little bit there. It's one thing to say, I hate HR. Um, and H, and most HR is bad and all that. But the question that comes from that is like, what can HR do to improve? Yeah, right? exactly. that's, 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 I mean, that's really the question. That's, it's enough. You're bad. So how can we be better now? The question that we're going to answer is how can HR improve the organization's impression of them? Well, actually, that's not the question. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to correct you, partner. Here's the question that came in. What one thing or more could we HR directors do to improve your, meaning me, Mark, your perception of us and our relationship with other leaders in the organization? In listening to your podcast, it appears that you do not have a favorable opinion of many HR professionals. It feels as though you are continuing the Fast Company article, Why We Hate HR, which, of course, I, I'm not. Uh, right. Uh, even though I'm f certainly familiar with the Fast Company article. Right. And so the question then is, where have we gone wrong? So they're not actually asking how, how they can improve the perception from other people in their company. They're asking, 
Mark, why do you why do you hate us so much? Why are you not being nice? And what can we do about it? Now, some of you are going like, well, I'm not in HR, and I don't care about the answer to this. Now, yeah, I, I'd, I'd suggest yeah. that you you don't turn us off. That much of what we're going to talk about could be applied to any internal support organization, whether you're in information technology or accounting or finance. Anybody who's supporting the organization can benefit from this thinking. And I guarantee you, you're not as respected and well-liked and, um, as you might like. Yeah, and, and you think you have power, but that's not the same thing. I mean, we've said before many times on podcasts, there are three types of power, the ability to influence others in organizations. There's role power, the power you get as a function of your title, uh, which if you're in a support function is limited, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. And role power is impossible for you to change. The organization has to change it. You just simply can't change your role. And all of your role power you know, flows from your precise role. Second thing is expertise power, how smart you are. But really, it's, it's not just how smart you are. It's whether or not other people perceive you as being an expert enough so that they will ask you questions and trust your advice. And what a lot of people, HR, IT, finance, legal, other, you know, even help desk, support organizations, uh, the mailroom, other support organizations mistakenly believe that when an outside agency says you're certified, you're an HR specialist, you're a, you know, human resources professional, you're a PMP or something like that, that therefore that is expertise. It's not. Expertise is defined in the mind of the person who is asking you or choosing not to ask you uh, a question. And then the third thing is relationship power. And what most people assume is the two West Pointer combat arms guys from the Army would, would do is talk about role power, but we don't believe in role power. We know that it exists. We recommend you use it every once in a while. But in fact, success in large organizations today is virtually completely about relationship power. And HR, IT, finance, legal, help desk, other support areas, uh, security is another good example. What they fail to realize is they don't develop relationships. And what happens is, I'll give you a perfect example, Mike. You, you and I have had this discussion 50 times. Somebody in a support organization says to the organization they're supporting, we're going to partner with you to, yeah. to the yeah. manager, to the general manager, to the director, to the VP. Yeah, you've, been, you've never cared too much for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The problem is, is that while I respect the idea that the line manager can't do her job without HRs or ITs or finances support. And we're partnering with you says, you know, we really believe in what you do and we want to help you do it. And we're an expert and you're, you know, you're an expert too. And we're going to work together. Well, uh, yeah, that's what you want the line manager to believe, but that's not what you're actually feeling what you're really feeling and what 90 percent of you don't want to say is that you outrank me but now we're going to partner and we're going to be equals and i have an equal say well i'm, I'm sorry there's not a line manager in the world who despite his or her comments regarding collaboration and communication and team play none of them think that you're their partner you work for them. So rather than promoting yourself to their level and then therefore causing them to have to say, well, let's be clear here, you work for me, what we recommend that uh, support organizations do is actually demote themselves and walk in and say, you know what, I work for you. 
My job is to help you be successful. If I do everything I'm supposed to do and you don't get done what you need to get done, I don't consider myself successful. And the moment you do that, the moment you demote yourself and admit you're in a supporting role to uh, a line manager, the line manager re- immediately reaches down, if you'll pardon right. the expression, and says, come partner with me. That's right. And as, That's right. And as long as the senior partner says, come partner with me, you're golden. There but you, go. you as the junior partner saying, we're going to partner, a senior partner says, no, not no. really. <laughs> no, really, no. we're not. And, and I, I'd be willing to bet that part of the reason HR has had bad relationships often with many people in line roles, and the whole line thing is lost on the vast majority of people that I talk to, one of the reasons HR fails is they get their feelings hurt. And no offense. I mean, AIT, it's not just HR or IT finance, any support organization. They get the feelings hurt because they say, I'm going to partner with them. And then immediately, pretty quickly, within the first meeting or so, they get smacked down. They feel like they've been told, hey, here's here's your place. Well, what that line manager is doing is just reminding you, you can talk to me about partnering all you want. You work for me. In the same way, folks, that Amazon works for you and Apple works for you. And you don't work for them unless you're an Amazon or an Apple employee. Yeah, who's you know, your they're customer, a vendor, right? Yeah, your, exactly. Customer. If you're in finance, you're not, you're not talking in general. You're not talking directly to customers. You're not selling to customers, right? Exactly. You're not serving customers. Who are you yeah, serving? Inter- yeah, you're, and the internal customer, the That's people right. who serve the actual customers. As, as Drucker would say, all results are outside of the organization. So therefore, if HR or IT or finance are serving someone internally, they're not actually delivering organizational results. Not to say that they don't have goals and objectives, and not to say they don't meet them, but no, results, the actual results are outside. And if you support somebody internally, then your job is to support them and to be subordinated to them. So let me give you a, a chance to <laughs> talk about your statement, I hate HR. You've said it many times. Right. Is that true? No, not no, I'm, I'm not a hater. <laughs> Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. Dude. Yeah, that, that whole word hater bugs me. But anyway, now, and look, uh, there are people who meet me and after a conference say, hey, you're actually a pretty nice guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, my kids think so. And look, this is a podcast and we're talking about what most people would agree is a terribly boring topic, management. So every once in a while I'm dramatic. Uh, and so I probably overstate my emotional commitment to a particular point of view by 10%. For a long time, I've, I've been enormously frustrated with the difference between what HR is capable of helping the organization achieve and what HR actually does. And so I wanted to make a point, and that's why I said uh, I hate HR. I clearly don't hate you if you're in HR or IT or finance or security or legal or whatever else. But in the first years, I overstated that. It's not precisely true. But I was also channeling a little bit of how many managers feel about HR. I mean, if you're an HR folks and you don't know it, managers don't consider you a partner at all. They consider you to be somebody whom they have to get stuff from. And many of you mistakenly believe that the manager coming and asking implies that you have power over them, which nothing could be further from the truth. Your job is to help them. They have power over you. So my feeling now today and repeatedly regularly in casts since probably 2010, maybe even 2009, I don't remember when the transition actually occurred, is I don't hate HR. I don't. I hate bad HR. And folks, sadly, there is a lot of bad HR in the world. 
Okay. Now, that said, I've, I've corrected the record officially, if you will, and I've actually done it a couple of times in, in passing. Have, but, yes. but when I did it, I, I get emails from people every couple of months that say, will you please find the cast where you had this aside that wasn't in the show notes? And I, I have to write back, I'm sorry, I don't remember everything I've ever said. I'm confident I will not retract anything I've ever said. We make casts and guidance that are recommendations and are timeless as opposed to timely. And heck, the only cast that I ever considered to be timely rather than timeless was our cast on social media. And, and, and the classic example, right? What did we call the social media cast? We now call it the social media podcast. Uh, what did we call it back several years ago when we did it? What we called it, folks, was the MySpace cast. Because at that time, MySpace was bigger than Facebook. So that should give you some sense of why we don't do timely casts. Management will exist for a thousand years, probably roughly in the same form it is now unless we start having holograms dancing around our living rooms or something. And management has been the same for the last 150 years, and so therefore we need guidance that will stand the test of time. Okay, all that said, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about why HR is held in low esteem. And then I want to make some recommendations to answer the question. Okay, so the reason HR is held in low esteem is that in far too many places and more places than not, this is the majority of situations I see, HR has forgotten to serve the managers that are line managers who ultimately are involved in delivering products and services to customers. HR fell prey to being a staff agency that believed it derived its power from being close to power. So say we count the levels in an organization, or just for, for purposes of our discussion, we count the CEO as level one, his or her directs are level two, their directs is level three. HR believes that if they serve an executive at level one, they the HR people, the staff people, are more powerful than everyone at level two and below. Hmm. And by the way, this is an answer to a question about HR, but I believe this applies to IT and finance and legal and so on. And part of the reason for those things is they believe they have some role power associated with the role. They also believe that they get bonus points for expertise because lawyers have degrees and you know they've passed the bar and so they're licensed. Um, but your expertise means nothing if people don't trust you with that advice. Um, but the combination of the association with role power that you don't actually have and your belief in your special knowledge, which you call expertise, which is not expertise, has corrupted internal support agencies. Now, by the way, I can justify the reasons why you've done it, guys. Okay, Every individual manager or executive does things that are self-serving. We all do. And we could have predicted this when we started creating these staff agencies. So I'm not saying you're insane for doing it. I understand the rationale. And even though there is a self-serving, understandable rationale, doesn't mean it serves the organization. So if HR or IT or finance or legal or whatever, if they serve a general manager, say at level three, somebody who runs a region or somebody who runs a manufacturing facility or something, they have power, those HR people who support the level three exec, they have power, role power and expertise power over folks at level four and below. 
Okay. They believe that they speak with the power of the person they support. That's just crazy. Yeah. It, <laughs> that, and that idea, guys, I want you to be clear about that. That idea is false and it's ignorant. Okay. It is ignorant of the fact that, I mean, you literally don't like the amount of power you have. And so you want to abscond with, if you'll pardon the expression, or lay down with the power of the person that you support. Well, it's not only false and ignorant, it's arrogant. <laughs> yeah. And look, look, I mean, yeah, you're right. Arrogance is a good way to describe it. And I'm going to use a common analogy or a common thing that I hear from uh, executives that I'm sure some young people will disagree with, but you know what? The evidence is on our side, so we'll go with it. It's arrogant when this idea that you support some general manager Therefore, you have her level of power. It's arrogant when you're a 24-year-old HR generalist who can't manage your way out of a wet paper bag, has never had a team of 10, has never had a budget, has never been in a political fight, doesn't know what a steel cage deathmatch meeting is, has never laid anyone off, has never had to hire someone who worked for them as opposed to, and this is HR makes this huge mistake, as opposed to doing screening interviews, okay, has never been given a less than acceptable review because they were responsible for a number that you know was sales number a production number a quality number and they didn't meet it and that affected the division's ability to do its job okay with that person with that little experience expects a 25-year corporate veteran running a plant worth say a hundred million gross revenue dollars to do what he or she says in other words I'm your HR. This is what you should do. And they, and by the way, they use the word should as if it's is everything they pronounce is a moral imperative. Literally, HR, IT, finance, many people, they've unlearned how to suggest things. And it's terrible. It's like, well, this this is what we should do. No. What we should do is deliver results for our ultimate customers. And we need to make sure that our policies and procedures internally support that. That's what we should do because that's what society expects of our organization. And you, miss or mister, should recognize that. And your job is to help me do what I'm doing. You mean it's not to inspect them and to make sure they're, you know, doing things right? Well, geez. Yeah. The whole inspection thing. I'm going to come down and I'm going to evaluate what you're doing. Yeah. You're not an inspector general. We have friends who are expect inspector generals. You don't have a badge. Your job is not to make sure that that line manager is following all the procedures. It's the line manager's job to follow the procedures. It's your job to help her do it. And you might think of your job as inspecting. We see it as collecting data to help him understand or her understand where their organization is to make some changes. You see it as inspecting so you can provide your boss a report on how someone's doing. It's not your job. Your job is to serve, not dictate. Okay. I mean, I'm sorry to say this and you may disagree with this and I would respect your disagreement folks if you're in a support function, but from the other side of the table, Managers are more the company than you are. If the company had to keep going, it would have sales and production. It wouldn't have HR or IT or finance or legal or security 
or anything else. Companies start with, we produce something and we sell something. That's it. You're not a line manager. And by the way, I, it seems like among young people, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it's true. The idea of a line manager doesn't really exist. We're all managers, and I'm a, I'm a level four. I was just at a client recently where they said the level matters. Yeah, a level four over here doesn't trump a level two. A level yes. four support guy doesn't trump a level five line guy. He, he just doesn't. She doesn't. You may think you do because the company has made it easier for you to understand structure and so on. It doesn't matter. If you ask the CEO, the CEO knows exactly who her or his line managers are. And it's not HR. It's not IT. It's not finance. Yeah, I remember one time we were, I was, this is years ago. I was in IT at the time, right? Running this IT right. organization. We had made a mistake several levels down in my organization, but I was on this call because it was, you know, fairly visible, big deal. And I was getting my head handed to me by somebody, a manager who was maybe four levels down from me. And one of my senior managers afterwards said, why did you take that from her? I said, dude, I work for her. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, that's the way, that's the way it works. Yeah. And let me put it differently. You have no role power. No staff organization does. You only have influence in the form of relationships. Okay, so this is a, a recommendation, but it's sort of the end of my overall analysis. Stop threatening managers and individual contributors at levels beneath you with the power of the person you serve. Okay, all right. I could keep talking about this, but that's the questioner asked the question of the year, and it seems only fair that we answer his or her question. By the way, I don't know who asked these questions generally, folks. It's better to keep them anonymous. So, number one. Stop promulgating policies that you think up that you think will help the company. HR, particularly, has become like the government, where every problem needs a new law. You don't understand. You don't understand. You do not understand what it means to be a low-level line manager with fear of not making his or her number finding out that there's a new policy that I was CC'd on that says I have to do this and this and this. And you may think that your, your senior person has said, you know, I really want this done, and you turn it into an email that goes out to everybody. That's not the way it works. Your job is to help those managers achieve what they need to achieve, not send emails out saying, I need you to prepare this report or that report. Sending out reports, sending out requests for information, is the bane of line managers. So request for data, policies, procedures that you've created, unless there's a legal requirement for them, you should tread very, very lightly. And if you have a policy you're gonna change, don't change it without including line managers at much lower levels input. I'm always saying to people, handwrite something and take a picture of it with your phone. I don't need it filled out. I don't need you to go online. I don't need you to fill out five questions. I don't want, I have this all the time where HR people say, well, they have to go online, they have to log in, so I want to be able, and then the software I'm using, once they log in, tells me whether or not they've logged in, and so I get a report every day of who's done it and who's not. So in other words, you're going to make more work for the manager, so it's easier for you to check on whether or not they did what you said they should do? No. I'm sorry. No. Secondly, you serve the managers who run the company. Go talk to those 
managers. Build relationships with every manager in the organization that you serve. Give them your cell number. Stop claiming role power or expertise power that you don't have and proffer the one that you do, which is relationship power, and build on the one that you can, relationship power. If you build your relationship with someone, they'll then give you the expertise power you so crave. You can never get the role power that you think you have because of the boss you serve, but rather than trying to build role power and expertise power, neither of which you have or can achieve on your own, you build the, and you're thinking, I've got two of the three, in the back of your mind, believe me, there's a part of your your political relationship brain who knows that, that knows this. If you will build the relationship power, the expertise power will come. The more you work to be officious and superior and say, this is coming from the GM, I speak for David here, or as HR people like to do, I was in a meeting with David, let's say David is the GM you support, and we had this discussion, and you don't even realize it, but you're basically saying, I'm him. Well, folks, you're not. Okay, you're not. So if you'll build your relationship power, let's say Mike's an HR person, he develops a relationship with me, and then I start learning how smart he is because I develop trust in him and he trusts me, then I will bestow upon him, because of relationship work, the expertise that he wants me to feel that he has so that when he says to me, Mark, you really should do X, I'll do it. But if you start with the role power of your boss, you don't have any expertise in my opinion. You're just pushing me around and you know, you've never done this before. Really? I mean, I hate to say this guys, it's a really bad analogy. It's not fair at all, but it's emotionally satisfying to say that there are people in HR and IT and finance and legal and support functions that remind me of the reporter during the Iraq war the U.S. had in 1991, I want to say, which was led by a guy named General Norman Schwarzkopf, uh, who is a West Point graduate like Mike and I. And the reporter asked a question about, gee, it seems like the minefields are fairly hard. and It seems like they're making a big difference in the, in the battle. And gee, can't we do something about them? Something to that effect. And Schwarzkopf's answer, quite irreverent, but quite famous, was, son, you ever been in a minefield? Right. It also reminds me of the story of the the there was a a school, uh, elementary school that was raised by an earthquake. I want to say uh, in the Balkans, and there was tape around the you know there was police line tape around it, and uh, there was a man there saying, "My son's in there," and he went underneath the tape, and they said, "Don't go around it. You might destroy it. You might collapse it. There may be survivors. We have to figure out how we're going to do it, and so on." And he looked at him and said, "I told my son, no matter where he was, and no matter what happened to him, I'd come and find him, and I'd help him." Right, and I'm now doing that. I'm not going to stand on the sidelines. Okay, yeah, there's some risk, but by gosh, everything that's good has risk. And he starts pulling blocks out and wood part and tries to get to things and so on. And people are yelling at him, "Stop! Stop! Stop! We're afraid. We're worried. You're not doing it right." And he turns around and keeps asking, "Are you going to help me or not? Are you going to help me or not? Are you going to help? Are you going to sit there and yell? Or are you going to help me? Otherwise, be quiet because you're not going to have any influence on me." 
And after apparently a couple hours of digging, he hears, you know, he's yelling for his son. Finally, his son says, Dad, I hear you. And his dad yells down and says, give me your hand. We got a little hole here. I can pull you out. And the kid says, no, Dad, pull the other, there are other kids down here with me in an air pocket. Pull them out first because I told them, no matter what, you'd always come for me. You know, and that's what we want from HR. We want HR to say, I'm part of your team. In the same way that when you see the premier, the prime minister, the president of your country, your nation, or your people stand up, there's always staff behind him or her, around them, supporting them. Okay. Uh, there's the CEO has a trusted group of of advisors, usually obviously EVPs and SVPs and COO and so on, and they always say when you ask what their success is, they always say, you know, I had a great team around me. You're part of that team for that line manager, and the best way to actually support your general manager, the person that your HR function, IT, you know, finance, legal, whatever, supports, is to support him or her and all the line managers that they work for. Yeah, it's interesting. My, my experience has been if you have expertise power without the relationship power, they look at you and that hammer you wield as a tool to beat them up with, to hit them over the head with. Yeah. But with the, re- with, with the relationship, they look at that expertise power. They look at that hammer as a tool used to support them and help them. Yeah. Build to, help them to help them play whack-a-mole, right? right. Yeah, right. exactly. So, Talk to the managers, build relationships, have a dang chart of every manager in the org and rate yourself on your relationship with him or her and figure out what you need to do. And it's really simple. The answer is communication and time. It is not rocket science. Okay. Tell those managers, I work for you. I serve you. Demote yourself. Don't partner. Demote yourself. Let them pick you up and say, you're going to partner with me. And at the moment they say that, say, that's great. It's great to hear that. I love that relationship. And the way we'll achieve that is I work for you. Okay? Bring your expertise to the relationship, not your role power. Okay? Offer to help. Okay? Next thing, ask questions. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what's going on. You have ideas about your specialty. We want them. They're helpful. We need it. If we didn't need it, we wouldn't have the division, the group that you're in. But gosh, find out from those managers. Ask them questions. What scares them? What don't they know? I'll never forget, Patton once said, the most important thing I want out of my subordinate commanders is no waffle tails. And I really hate to say this is probably a little bit untoward, but a little little inappropriate. But basically, even if you'll pardon me, guys, even back in World War II, in in the depths of a difficult time, there was cellulite. And a waffle tail was somebody who sat on their butt in their office and didn't get things done and weren't out checking what was actually going on where customers were being served, where product was being made, where product was being designed, where quality was being built in, and so on. So get out of your desk, make your stock and trade, your relationships with the managers, not your desk, not your meetings, not your policies, not your corporate-wide events, not your cruise director sort of let's make everybody happy thing, not the time you spend writing a 200-question survey as if managers have time to fill those out, okay? Find out what they need help from you with and then do those things. Help those managers get done what they need to do. And because of your relationship, 
keep them from doing it in a way that would get the lawyers involved. And when the manager comes to you and says, I got a problem here, listen to their problem. Don't then quote scripture, as a friend of mine once said. That's what HR feels like. It's like a priesthood. that go in and they quote scripture. Okay, look, you can't do what you want, and I'm sorry. I would want to do the same thing you do, but you can't. But here's what you can do, and I'll help you every step of the way. And by the way, you know, I mentioned customers earlier. We have a great podcast about determining what your internal customers' needs are. We tell you how to schedule the time, what questions to ask, and everything. And that applies to HR, IT, security, finance, legal, help desk, everything. Here's something else. I, I just want to share this. I'll see. I'll probably get some mail about this. But anyway, a dirty little secret for you folks. We know we have HR people listening to our casts. And they know my position. They never asked about how to serve a manager, how to help a manager, how to benefit the organization. They asked about what they could do for their individual people. But that tells me something about HR's relative lack of understanding of what managers are dealing with and how to support them. And folks, if I've never got a question about it, never. Not once. I've got questions from everybody else all over the world, top to bottom, CEO to individual contributor, and not what finance, legal, HR, or IT, everybody except HR. And nobody's that good, guys. And what that means is HR is afraid of what they don't know. But folks, there's a rule. If you don't know it, other people know you don't know it, and you trying to hide you don't know it only makes it worse. Go to the manager, sit down, mea culpa, say, you know what, I've not been doing this right, and I want to do it better. I work for you. I'm not going to type your reports, but I work for you, and my job is to have HR help you do what you need to do to deliver the products and services this company does. Simple. And you know what? You might think, oh, they're going to they're gonna demote me as well. Nope. The person who is candid about their power and says, I'm willing to demote myself, to subordinate myself to you, everyone who hears that says, wow, this person must be confident. They're willing to publicly admit that their role is less than mine. They're not so afraid of their lack of power that they're puffing themselves up to pretend to have power that everyone knows they don't have. It may be counterintuitive, but it works all the time. I tell clients all the time. Clients say, oh, I can't believe we got you. I can't believe we f you fit us in your schedule. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then I say, I work for you. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care what you think about our podcast or how difficult my schedule is. I work for you. Tell me what you need and I'll endeavor to make our work fit with what you're trying to achieve. There you and go. after a fashion, I'm in HR. <laughs> my job is to help managers. And we have opinions, but we also have relationships with people, as hard as it is in a podcast, and I want HR to be great. I've said before, the best HR people are former line managers. Somebody gets done being a GM, and then he or she takes a two-year stint supporting either a similar size organization or a larger one in an HR role for hiring and firing and pay, compensation, benefits, those kinds of things. And they understand what that person out in the field in sales or marketing or manufacturing or operations or engineering or R&D, they understand what those folks are doing. And building a career internal to the HR organization is dangerous. You can do it, but you better have accomplishments that show what the divisions you supported 
achieved while you were supporting them. Excellent. All right, my friend. I enjoyed that. Yeah, and uh, it meant a lot. It, it's the first time we've done something like this, and we thought we'd change things up a little bit. I hope everybody liked it, and it, whether you liked it or not, send us a note and tell us so. There you go. All right, my friend. Thank you. You bet. All right, we'll see you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. A little bit different. Hope you enjoyed it, because I know Mark and I enjoy doing it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.